This is a Triple M Footy podcast. With all the latest news and stories that matter right now in footy, it's Tom Brown's News. The long AFL off-season is nearly over, and with round one looming, it's time on Triple M Footy to bring back the hardest-working newsbreaker in the game, the one and only Tom Brown. It's Tuesday the 14th of March. My name's Rudy Etzel, and I have Tom here in the studio with me. Tommy, let me kick off with the most important question of all. How was your summer? Summer was incredible, Rudy. Tara and I are lucky enough to have a beautiful baby daughter, Camilla, last Saturday. So this is my first day back in the chair today. So uh, summer was long with Tara pregnant, but it all worked out beautifully because uh, Camilla is just a bundle of brilliance. It's just incredible and an incredible feeling. Congratulations, mate. Always good to uh, add to a burgeoning family. Uh, let's move on to some footy stuff. I know that's why you're here. Uh, there's a big story today getting around concussion uh, on the agenda as it's been for so long. Class action lawsuit that's been threatening for a while has actually uh, been filed. We posted this. This has become official late this morning. Margalit Lawyers, that's Michelle Margalit, uh, who's a lawyer based in, I think, Paran, has lodged a class action in regards to concussion with Max Rook as the lead plaintiff, the Geelong Premiership player from 2009, and 60, up to 60 other players. Now, we'll get more details on this this afternoon. It's significant because it's the first time that a concussion class action has been lodged against the respondents, who I imagine will include, obviously, the clubs involved and the AFL, but we'll learn more about that this afternoon. The context of this, Rudy, is significant. Liam Picken officially lodged action last week himself. That's the Bulldogs premiership player from 2016. And there's um, obviously Margalit lawyers and a separate lawyer, a guy called Greg Griffin, who's been working uh, in Adelaide on a class action for a long period of time. So in one sense, the floodgates could be about to open on the AFL regarding concussion. So it's not just this case, it's these other ones that are brewing as well. There's also an AFLW case against Collingwood. Um, the clubs are worried about this because they're named as the respondents in some of these cases. The AFL clearly is trying to get on the front foot. The big question now is where the law sits and whether it's too late. We're about to start to find out whether this is a big play for a settlement and a concussion fund, or whether it goes to court and costs the AFL and the clubs a huge amount of money and could change the way we've pl- we play the game. The Saturday Rub, Friday Huddle, Sunday Rub, Midweek Rub, Tom Brown's News and all the footy podcasts you need are in one place. Subscribe to Triple M Footy on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Tommy, it was a, a season, off-season of turmoil at uh, Essendon. Uh, famously changed coaches, had a CEO in for a day. But uh, you're hearing that there's not, it's not yet over, the change at uh, Essendon. The shootout at Essendon could be about to continue, Rudy. It's my understanding there could be further change on the cards. I've been told that Josh Money, who's their well-regarded football boss, is somewhat frustrated. He's now doing a lot of AFLW work and will eventually depart that boss of football role. I understand that Daniel McPherson is doing a lot of the work in that football role at Essendon at the moment. He's even been with Brad Scott to a few of the external football meetings with the AFL and other clubs and so forth. McPherson, I should explain, does work for Josh. It's not buying itself a surprise that he's been at some of those meetings, but it's my understanding there could now be a change in the football role as well at Essendon. There's some history here. Obviously, the club backed Josh very publicly during all those changes. He was part of the changes that saw um, Ben Rutten sacked. They parted company with the CEO, Xavier Campbell. Four directors were moved on under the president, David Barham. Um, they appointed Brad Scott. Josh was part of that. Um, he didn't necessarily instigate them, but he was certainly part of the changes in terms of implementing them and so far has been very publicly backed by Barham. But uh, it's my understanding that now Craig Vozzo, who's taken over as the Bombers' CEO, 
is making an assessment of the situation out there and that role in terms of the football department. I think it's been well documented. It was discussed on Footy Classified last night. Caroline Wilson has discussed this, that there's tension or has been a difference of opinion between Adrian Dodoro and his list management role and list boss role and Josh. I certainly think there's some um, merit to that discussion. And uh, I think Craig Vozzo is now looking at this situation. But uh, I should add, incidentally, that Josh is well regarded. He's been linked to the vacant AFL football boss job, um, which is ironically is Brad Scott's old job. So, uh, look, there's uh, some merry-go-rounds potentially happening in that regard. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's change in the Bombers football department in terms of the football boss, certainly before the end of the season. But I think Craig Vozzo is making an assessment as to how soon that should occur as we speak. Speaking of uh, change at the top, Tommy, this one's taking a little longer to play out, but uh, Gil McLaughlin still slated to step down uh, around round five this season. We're no closer to having a replacement named. Now, I've got some news on this. I can reveal that Richard Goiter, who's the chairman of the commission, he also is the boss of Qantas, um, uh, just incidentally, for those that sort of you know familiarising yourself with Richard, he's effectively the boss of the AFL. He's the chairman of the AFL. My understanding is he's told people over the weekend that he will interview six candidates for Gil's job, this weekend. That's a third round of interviews. What does that mean? Well, you could say that Andrew Dillon will probably get it. He's the favourite and they need to benchmark him against candidates. And this is the best way of doing it to get lots of candidates in. Or you could read more into it and say that it just indicates that the race for Gill's job is wide, wide open. And it underlines the uncertainty which has existed in football for the best part of 12 months on who is best to replace Gill, which are huge, huge shoes to fill. And it perhaps reflects that Richard and the commission are concerned that uh, they haven't found the right person yet. It's my understanding that Kylie Rogers, who's the AFL commercial boss, is still involved in that six, that process. She's obviously in at the AFL. Obviously, it includes Travis Old and Andrew Dillon. Brendan Gale, part of that process. And if it's six, which I'm told very reliably by multiple sources it is, you could then conclude that there's a couple of external candidates that are still in the race as well. So the race for Gil McLaughlin's job, as we speak, is more wide open than first thought. Whilst Andrew Dillon is well-placed and favourite to get it, he's not necessarily still the front-runner because there's certainly a strong indication that there's some, I wouldn't call it indecision, but some uh, openness on the part of the commission as to who to replace Gil with. And uh, that's a huge issue in football. It's now the indecision frustrating some clubs. It's frustrating some, you know, across the industry, it's got reverberations because people want certainty on issues like Hawthorne, on the CBA um, and, and the like. Gill's obviously well-placed to do them, but uh, there's just uncertainty surrounding his role. But as I just said, there's six candidates, I understand, that will be interviewed as part of the replacement process this weekend. Andrew Dillon, not necessarily the standout favourite any longer. Perhaps the, well, the AFL's clearly casting their net more wide than we first thought. This is Tom Brown's News, bringing you the latest in footy every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Here at first on Listener. All right, Tommy. On the eve of the season, um, I've got some burning questions that I want to put to you. Which you can throughout the year. We want to run this every Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So when fans have questions, when you have questions, pub talk, I want you to put them to me. I'll try and answer them. Can't wait. It's in radio. We call this a benchmark. So it's going to take off, mate. It's going to take off. Uh, So to start with St Kilda, I just want to know when does an injury, say, you know, concern become a crisis and then become an epidemic because St Kilda are at the absolute hottest end of that spectrum. You've got the list there, which I want you to run through. They're the only team, I would put it to you, that have a valid excuse on injuries on their performance this weekend. I know there'll be lots of discussion this week about Viney and Hawkins and Collingwood players and all the rest of it, who's injured, who's in, who's out. Injuries will have zero bearing on any analysis of results on Monday, in my opinion, except for St Kilda, and it's a lengthy list. Yes, indeed. I just uh, I jotted it down. From their best 22 alone, 
Tim Membry is out. Marcus Windhager is out. Seb Ross, Nick Caulfield, Jack Billings, Zach Jones, and of course, uh, Max King uh, getting some work done on his shoulder. And then from outside the 22, arguably Max Heath, Jack Hayes, Dan McKenzie, Isaac Keeler, Matthew Ellison, Ollie Hotton, and Angus McLennan. They might be debuting a guy named Anthony Camantini, who they picked up in the uh, in the, the supplemental period last month. I was mm-hmm. at Moorabbin and saw them against the Bombers. I realised it was a practice match and it was windy, but I still think St Kilda played, I, I thought, a bit above what I expected them to, having said that they face a tough assignment, Rudy, against the Dockers this weekend. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, the other hot, hot topic around footy has been the MCG surface. Tommy, will it be right to go? You were there today. I've just been down there for a photo shoot. Mitch Cleary, Tim Watson, uh, Laura, we're all down there doing a photo shoot. You could do a frontline episode on that. Anyway, <laughs> they've completed the resurfacing. Uh, it cost over a million dollars at the cost of the promoter from the Ed Sheeran concerts. Uh, I've been there. It was it's certainly smooth in the area. They've resurfaced it. You'll see it on TV even this afternoon or tonight. It is a different colour where they've resurfaced it. The issue, of course, will be the edge where it intersects with the old turf. That does look relatively okay. I've posted some pictures on my Instagram and Twitter this afternoon. Actually spoke to Stuart Fox, who looks a bit relieved, the CEO of the uh, MCG. I think I don't think he'd want to go down this path again. He sort of told me that uh, in the future, I think they'll look at concerts mainly in February. This sort of snuck up on them a little bit. Plus, it's worth remembering, that they thought they had an extra week. The AFL, in effect, bought the season forward. So that uh, the MCG were good sports in that regard and helped. But, uh, you know, that, that obviously cut off some of their preparation time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, though, Rudy Marvel and the showgrounds in Sydney hosting games this weekend, and they've also held concerts. So there'll be some focus on those surfaces, no doubt. Uh, in the case of Marvel, it doesn't get as much direct sunlight as the, as the MCG. So, look, the MCG's done a good job, but I'm sure it'll be a discussion point. You'll see the discoloration this weekend. But, uh, you know, credit where credit's due. They've, they've done a pretty – they've done a mountain of work. Now, one close to both of our hearts as fans, Tommy, uh, Tommy Hawkins, will he play against Collingwood this weekend? I interviewed Tom Hawkins two weeks ago, and he told me uh, that he wouldn't play this weekend. They were taking it slow. A nice, cautious approach. He had second toe surgery is what he calls it. Is that on the second toe or is that like toe surgery a second time? I am not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going down that. Anyway, it was a serious operation as far as toe operations are concerned. Not life or death, but it was in the context of footy. I think they'll uh, they'll keep him. Having said that, there does seem to be some renewed push this week, certainly from the media, saying he's training the lights out. So uh, I guess that's a decision for Geelong. Not willing to guess on that one. Now, Tommy, speaking of Collingwood, is it true... Nick Dacos had lunch with St Kilda officials last week. Last Wednesday, Nick Dacos and his manager, Robbie DeRazio, Nick Dacos dressed in a suit, had lunch with Graham Allen from St Kilda and Stephen Solvani from St Kilda. I'm being absolutely serious. Now, before this lit up the restaurant, it was at Gilson in South Yarra, which is a pretty well-heeled crowd. They don't get surprised by much down there. There's often celebrities and all the rest of it. Even some of the people in the restaurant were surprised by this meeting. It looked like the trade deal of the century. I'm reliably informed that uh, Nick Dacos is mates with Sauce from when he was a kid or whatever. And uh, Robbie was due to have lunch with the St Kilda pair, the recruiting pair. So he sort of just dropped in for lunch. There's nothing to worry about. But uh, Craig Kelly, the new Collingwood boss, was in at the uh, coffee shop when I was there the next morning. And uh, Mark, who's the owner, he's a big Pies fan, he uh, he updated Craig on this meeting. <laughs> and Craig jumped on the phone to, to Gubby and said, uh, hands off my players. And I've, I've checked it out with St Kilda. They deny making... Uh, they, they, they deny there was anything in it apart from making Nick a $2 million offer. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing you the latest in footy news before you hear it anywhere else. This is Tom Brown's News. And one final one for you, Tommy, just before we go. Will Carlton make the eighth this year. 
Will Carlton make the eight? Yes, they've got too much talent not to make the eight. If Carlton didn't make the eight this year and it wasn't due to injury, I would suggest there'd be pressure on Michael Voss. But uh, I don't want to go down that path because I think they'll have a good year. They've got too many good players. I saw them against Collingwood in their practice match. They've got too many good players. And I hope for the Blues supporters' sake and the players' sake, there's a bunch of great blokes down there and Michael Voss that they have a great year. Mm. We'll find out uh, how their season starts. I reckon they'll finish home and away. There you go. There you go. Like it. We'll find out how their season starts just a couple of nights' time. It's round one soon. We'll be back later in the week to talk more footy. Thank you very much, Tommy. Cheers, Reddy. That was Tom Brown's news. Come back every Monday, Thursday and Friday for more and subscribe to Triple M Footy on Listener or wherever you listen to get all our podcasts throughout the season. For Ream Hot Water and McDonald's, Triple M rocks footy.